Hey guys and welcome to today's episode of Give It The Beans. I hope that you are well. We are well into the competitive season now, aren't we? For those that are sort of keeping up to date and listening with this along alongside, um, you know, you had the PC Universe last week, and we're kind of going into that sort of that lull um, where you get quite a quite a busy bunch of shows at the start of the season, a little bit of a break, um, or quieter shows in the middle of the season, and then busy again as you get towards the sort of August, September, October time when finals start. Um, myself, this past weekend, we had a, a competitor physique guy um, do a PCA show where he came second, which was which was great. Um, I think if you follow me on Instagram, you'll see that I had openly said, you know, we just we maybe hadn't got the peak quite right um, as well as we had got it the week before. But we were just trialing some new stuff, um, but we managed to pull it back. We managed to save it, um, and he's got one more show left um, this Sunday, and, and we've already learnt from that peak that we just done, and our, um, he looks a bit better at this point versus last week, and we know he's going to be at his best this Sunday. And, you know, I guess that's before I get into today's episode. I guess that's um, just more clarification or confirmation should I say that as an athlete you should always put your eggs not only in the one basket but you should definitely be doing sort of two or three shows maybe even more um, if you are trialing new things which of course um, myself and my athlete were you won't you maybe won't get it right the first time you know we'd worked together for this is our third season but we never trialed this sort of new method we were doing with uh, with diuretics and drying out and um, it just meant that we nailed it the first time the second time there was just not enough time between the shows and then this time there is a bit more and we've we've done a bit of different things with sodium in that but um, it's really only through trial and error isn't it that, that we learn and we get better um, so yeah I'm really, really excited for for this weekend and if you are at the Scottish UKUP show um, I will be there please come and say hi I won't actually be at shows shows down south for a while now I think after this weekend I've got a little bit of a lull with clients um, competing until roughly July, which is um, which is which is actually uh, the first break for since since the start of the season, I think. But um, that'll be quite nice, and then it gets busy sort of from from August all the way to October, November, which I'm excited about. So today's topic uh, kind of came from um, a recommendation on Instagram. You know, I always post like say, you know, what are you guys wanting to hear about? Um, and some of some of you will. Some of you will always post in the comments box about kind of what Havon. I'd like to know a little, a little bit more about this, and I'm always open to ideas from you guys of what you want to hear about on this or articles on the website because you know you know that guys I, I write on the website as well, and a lot of them kind of correspond with each other. So today's topic is going to be about AI's uh, Prima Bone Mastron um, and controlling estrogen. You could say, although I say AIs, I should probably say serums in there as well. Um, but I'll get into like what I mean. But I think like over the past sort of three years or so, uh, personally, what I've seen is a big shift in the industry and in how we control our estrogen levels as male-assisted bodybuilders. Um, in the past, I think that you know, body the, the sort of the old school way was we would use medications um, like breast cancer medications, such as aromatized inhibitors. Um, so for those of you that aren't aware, like Arimidex or Romacin. Um, or selective estrogen receptor modulators, uh, known as CERMs. Um, and that could be like your tamoxifen, or some of you might know it as Nova. Um, and why would why would bodybuilders use this? Well, they'd, they'd use it so their estrogen levels didn't get what they thought what they deemed too high. And they would kind of, um, if they got too high, they'd get, um, what, well, they perceived too high, they'd get some sort of gynecomastia sort of symptoms like the, the puffy nipples or the, the accumulation of body fat, etc., etc. Whereas in today's society, estrogen levels can be controlled more so by the addition of some DHT derivative steroids such as Masteron or Primabolin are two of the most common ones that you'll see um, to, to the individual stack. And although it's widely accepted that um, 
that these will, will lower estrogen levels. I don't think many people know like how the addition of these steroids actually does modulate those estrogen levels, but also none of them know the risk of like potentially of estrogen running too low. So I guess this is kind of just to give you give you an insight a little bit of how those DHT derivatives and the uh, rimadexa tamoxifen do as a whole, can you know modulate your estrogen levels um, and their use or not within a bodybuilder stack. And remember, everything I sort of say on these podcasts is is just speaking the hypothetical. Shouldn't be deemed an advice in any way. Um, and always contact a, a medical professional if you are wanting to 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 do this stuff. I've got to say that, don't I? You know, you've just listened to that and went, fuck's sake, Vaughn, you're not one of those idiots. But yeah, you got to kind of say it to cover your own back. You know what, by the way, I'm sure there's podcasts you've listened to um, where I've not said that. And uh, hey, but I've remembered this time. <laughs> so so I've said it. So in case you don't know, that, if you're someone that's listening to this and you've not got a fucking clue um, about testosterone or steroids, if you didn't know, testosterone in your body can be converted to estrogen. Now, it's done so by uh, an enzyme called aromatase. Um, effectively, the more estrogen is in, sorry, the more testosterone is in your body, the more can be converted to estrogen. Now, this isn't, this isn't really something like, I guess you can control it, which we'll get into, but if you were to, to not control it, this kind of just happens. You can't just magically um, stop it on your own without implementing some of the things that we we are going to talk about. Um, you might be thinking, well, Vaughn, at what rate um, do do males convert testosterone to estrogen? How much? And unfortunately, like I can't give you the definitive answer on that. Like it's always going to be. It depends because there is so much inter individuality across the board that I've seen not only myself but with clients of how much their testosterone levels are off the same gear coming from the same batch um like mines versus theirs out my estrogen versus theirs uh, so many differences over the years it's unbelievable i've actually give you an example me and ali ran um a long while ago this was years ago actually i think it was, we're running 400 milligrams of uh, a certain certain product testosterone and anti i can't remember the, the name of the the, the brand uh the, the lab sorry and i'm sure i was like 111 animal per liter and he was like 60 and it just showed you the difference. So I was like, okay, I'm a fast metabolizer. He's, he was a slow at the time, but that's just one uh, one difference. But anyway, like, if you didn't know much about estrogen, it is, yes, of course, the primary sex hormone in females. Um, although that does not mean that it's not needed and it's not essential in males to a certain degree. Estrogen itself, when you know, if you follow like Victor Black, he'll tell you about how it's cardiac protective, brain, brain protective, kidney protective. Like, estrogen itself, like, it will regulate your metabolism, it'll regulate fuel metabolism, regulate insulin sensitivity, it plays a, a super important role in bone maturation, healthy cholesterol levels such as your HDLs, your LDLs, supports your energy levels, supports libido as well, and like if you've got rock bottom estrogen, I guarantee you've not got much sex drive whatsoever. So if we know it's importance, then we need it, right? But the problem for us males comes from when our estrogen levels increase past a certain point which we can't handle and then we see unwanted side effects such as that formation of breast tissue such as gynecomastia it's called and more a bit more body body fat accumulation um luckily though you could say the research uh, whether it's research or just in practice has been done over the years has highlighted that those side effects they aren't really dictated by the total level of estrogen in the body 
it's more indicative of a ratio between the the level of androgens or say testosterone in your body versus the level of estrogen. So it's not necessarily like okay, if estrogen goes above a certain point, that means you'll you'll straight away get some sort of gyno symptoms. It's like no, right? Well, how much testosterone have you got versus how much estrogen have you got? Now, I'm going to discuss a ratio here, but I'm going to say that this is like very generic, and I've seen way different ratios than this. So personally, I know that for me. Me alone, if I see a ratio of one testosterone molecule to say four estrogen molecules, and that's comparing the the, the testosterone in the nanomole per liter to the estrogen in the picomole per liter, um, the one to four, one to five ratio for testosterone estrogen for me, I don't see any estrogenic side effects. When I start to go out with that, then I personally start to see it. Now I've seen guys be like a one to six, one to seven, and be have no size whatsoever. So this is something that like I've been able to do by assessing, like checking out my own blood work, looking at clients' blood work. So if it's like a one to, like say a one to four ratio, you're looking at like a so it's fifty nanomole per liter for um, for testosterone. Um, you could probably handle two hundred picomole per liter of estrogen. But as I said, I've seen guys run that estrogen higher and they can handle it just fine. I've seen guys not being able to handle near anything to close to one to four and they need a bit less. Um, so if you were to man- manipulate your usage of, you know, say testosterone um, and another androgen such as um, ma- mast, primor, whatnot, um, to, to, to play about with that ratio, then you'd no doubt not see those effects because it might be that if estrogen's running too high, you need more androgens in the system, but you need androgens that aren't going to aromatize, so you don't, you wouldn't put more testosterone in. You would put in the likes of more mass and primo, which I'll get into in a second. But again, I should reiterate that this is so inter-individual um, and there's no one-size-fits-all approach. As I said, this is kind of based on what I've seen with myself and my clients and you kind of got to figure it out on your own. So if we kind of go back to the in the past, um, estrogen, as I said, it was always, I guess, seen as the enemy. And I guess when I first got into to steroids and things like that, I always saw it as the enemy. Um so you always look to try and control it with like a Remedex or Tamoxifen, uh, which as we know have clinical use at treating women with breast cancer because like, you know, women with breast cancer, you want to bottom, bottom estrogen. Now, both of those drugs that I just mentioned um, will, will decrease levels of circulating estrogen, but in a little bit different ways, right? So we know that Remedex is what's called uh, an aromatizing inhibitor. So how that works to, to sort of lower circulating levels of estrogen is that it actually works by blocking the enzyme itself, it reversibly binds the enzyme and stops it being able to actually convert testosterone to estrogen, thus it reduces total levels of circulating estrogen. Now then you've got tamoxifen which is a CERN, selective estrogen receptor modulator. So how that works is it binds to the estrogen receptor, it doesn't actually affect the enzyme whatsoever, it allows that conversion to happen but it binds the estrogen receptor, so then the estrogen molecule actually can't dock to the actual estrogen receptor itself and, and elicit that sort of that, that sort of effect. So they're doing it in different ways. Now, although they'll both decrease the level of circulating estrogen effectively, it's going to come down to a slight cost on health. And there'll be a long list of, of issues, but one of the main ones, for example, we'll speak about one is just the impact it's going to have on your, your HDL or your good cholesterol. 
um, and your quote-unquote bad cholesterol, meaning that you're going to have a reduction of HDLs, reduction of your good cholesterol and an increase of your, your LDLs. Now, of course, if you left it unchecked and you, you sort of did this for years, then you're no doubt increasing your risk of arthrosclerosis over the years. Um, therefore, in today's industry, we've kind of used these less and less. And instead, I've increased the use of Prima Bolin and Mastron to modulate your levels of estrogen. How I'm going to get into how these guys help lower estrogen, but I'm going to give you some food for thought to see that they maybe do have a similar effect on the likes of your HDLs. Um, and it's going to be a bit of a catch-22. You'll, you'll find out as I get into it. But I, what I want to do is I want to try and break down this in as sort of simple layman's terms as I can. And the best way to think about how Prima Bolin and Mastron help lower estrogen is to think about them like as a lock and key mechanism. Right, so let's say testosterone is the like a key, right? And that the aromatase enzyme, which is the one that converts testosterone to estrogen, is a lock. Now, if you've got the right key, which is testosterone, it can be inserted into the lock. It can effectively dock into that aromatase enzyme. And then you can turn the key and it opens the door, right? You turn the key and it allows the aromatization process to begin. Hope that makes sense. So you've got the, the key, you've got the key, which is testosterone. You then have the lock, which is the aromatase enzyme. You have the key inserted into the lock. If it's the right key, it can turn the lock. Boom, aromatization happens. Now, where does Prima Bolin and Masteron come into this equation? So you can imagine that Masteron and Prima Bolin, well, they're, they're going to be like a key as well. They have a similar molecular structure to testosterone, but with some subtle differences that we're not going to get into. In layman's terms, we're going to think that Prima Bolin and Masteron, we can actually still insert this key into the lock. However, it's not quite right and it can't turn the lock. However, it can be inserted and it can just stay there. And that's effectively what it does. So rather than turn the lock and rheumatization happen, what happens? Nothing. It simply means that Prima Bolin and Mastron are occupying this sort of binding site and effectively acting as a competitive inhibitor so that testosterone can't. So then testosterone is then rather than you know be aromatized, it's then, then free to either be reduced by 5-alpha reductase or continue on in the circulation to then have its effect on the likes of androgen receptors. But if we've got some Mastron and Prima Bolin docking in these sort of aromatase enzymes, of course, then that's going to reduce the total amount of, of estrogen levels being produced and then circulating in the body. Um, so you could really have confidence if you were like on it with blood work that you don't need an AI or a serum that I've spoke about before, you know, Remedex or Tamoxifen, um, to modulate your estrogen levels. And instead, you can simply use these DHT derivatives to almost do the same thing. But remember how they've done that, how they've reduced estrogen is different. And I think this is where the confusing thing has come over the years. People just haven't simply understood how estrogen's been brought down and they've or lowered. They've just assumed it was done through a similar mechanism and that's why they've went, oh, Mastron and Prima Bowen, that they're, they're AIs when, well, actually, they're, they're not. They're just, how they work is in a, a little bit of a different way. So it's probably at this point which you, you're you probably going to think, right, well, okay, Vaughn, you've said Prima Bowen and Mastron, um, but which one's better, <laughs> right? Uh, is one better than the other or is both, uh, you know, viable? Would you use both, Vaughn? 
Um, I'll go into some scenarios by which um, I would suggest. So, as I said, the, the, it's most of the most one of the most common questions asked, and it's it's probably again one of the questions I have to say. It just really does depend on so many factors. I think if you were to be like, let's say you're in a contest prep right now, you may favour leaning to more towards Masteron for the cosmetic effects that it gives you. So anyone that's got experience with that, with using Masteron, will tell you that it does give your physique more of a drier look if someone is like truly peeled. However, the problem with Masteron is that I do see it being faked a lot by underground labs. Um, some of them maybe cutting corners and blending it with likes of testosterone, which if you if you you know you've not guessed already, well that's going to increase your levels of estrogen if you're putting more testosterone level in your body. And if you're if you're, if you're in a contest prep, maybe you've got estrogen fine, at a fine point you don't want to increase it. But yeah, if you've got real mass, then I say of course use it. I personally use both um, in a in a prep because. There, I mean, there's an ongoing argument in the industry about how primabolin is superior at binding to the not the all steroids really at binding to the androgen receptor. It's got a higher higher affinity, um, although it's, it's quite a weak steroid. It's not weak; it just doesn't have many molecules. Um, if you go on to Dean's page and SNN SNN Education, they'll tell you all about that. Um, but for, I'd say for the most part, it's accepted um, that primabolin is the superior one. Um, a binding to the androgen receptor. Therefore, if I mean, if you wanted the best of both worlds, really, in a contest prep, um, you could have them both in, because both would kind of do a similar width, similar thing in regards to loading estrogen levels. But with the addition of the prima bolin, you would obviously have that sort of greater capacity to grow, um, just because it's got that higher affinity of binding to the androgen receptor. Like for me, I would probably argue, like, well, I keep prima bolin in year round, it's my sort of like drug of choice. Um, I'll always have the addition of Mastron in, in a contest prep and also maybe perhaps as I said in an off season if if I want to, if I just if I can't get two hundred milligram per mil primo then fuck I'll put a bit of Mastron in there because they're they're doing a similar job. But I think mo the, the most common complaint about the uh, about Prima Bolin is the cost. And I understand this is why you might favour using Masteron. Um, if, if you can get Masteron and it's real and how you would know it's real is confirm it through blood work or send it off for testing to like Janoshock or whatever. Um, but like based on their molecular structure and then what they both do with aromatase, you could easily just use Masteron over Primabon for like from a cost perspective. Um, so don't think like, oh my god, I can't like I, I've used Mastron as a growth promoter with many clients over the years and have seen like huge success. I've even had some guys go up to a thousand milligrams of mast. Um they're on I mean <laughs> those are those are those are guys are big. Um and, and don't be just taking that if you're someone that's small. But um and they've grown like significantly well. Um but as for using as I said AIs or serums, I feel like they're not hundred percent needed in your stack, whereas like the, the, the Prima Bolin mast is, is probably going to be kind of quote-unquote needed. Um, is there any scenario by which I would use the AIs or the serums? Yes, there is. And the only scenario I would use them would be if I had, um, let's say, uh, let's say someone has developed some gynecomastia symptoms, gynecomastia symptoms. I would maybe ad hoc use this for a week 
and then as I've ad hoc used it, I would put, I'd manipulate the stack and then I'd pull it out. That's the only thing, the only scenario I would use the eyes or the serums for the most part to control estrogen. I just use Master or Prima Ball. And like, I've got guys in prep and have prepped this year that have not used any IR serums the whole time. They've just used quite high levels of Master um, and, and Prima Ball along their tests. But I think we have to make some considerations here. Um, and it's worthwhile noting that it's not all sunshine and rainbows um, dropping your eyes and serums for this sort of kind of quote unquote new method. And it can have its drawbacks that I will sort of go into here. Um, if you're using high levels of Masteron or Primo, um, these can really drastically like reduce your estrogen levels to the point where they're too low. I've seen one, I've got one client specifically that whenever I put Prima Bolin in, it absolutely crashes his, his, his estrogen. Like I'm talking below, I think it was below 18 picomole um, per litre and uh, he felt horrendous off it. He says, Vaughn, I've got no sex drive. He says, I feel like ass all the time. I can't, I've got no energy levels. I'm not I'm not motivated to do anything. Um, then the minute we drop Prima Bolin, then we allowed estrogen to, to rise, he says, I feel much better. Um, whereas having spoke of the importance of estrogen earlier on this podcast and, and what it helps, you can imagine if it's too low, like especially if you know it helps drive fat loss, it supports lipid synthesis, it supports your metabolism. Why the fuck would you want to run that low? Like if it helps drive fat loss, get that fucker as high as you can, as high as you can tolerate it without seeing any gynecomastia symptoms. So it's as simple as that, guys. Gone are the days where it's like, oh, estrogen's the enemy. No, no, estrogen, estrogen is your friend. It, it needs to be. It should be. Should always be. Um, and secondly, and this is the this is the one I hope that like gets you thinking a bit more because it's got me thinking. I've seen fairly low levels of HDLs, like quote unquote good cholesterol, from using really high doses of Master and Primo or both, not quite, like I don't quite see the elevated levels of LDLs, the bad cholesterol, um, but you've kind of got a scenario by which you're like, right, so I'm seeing low LDL, I'm seeing low HDLs if I use Serms or AIs, and I'm seeing low HDLs if I use high levels of Master Primo, what's the fucking difference? Exactly, <laughs> right? Either way, having low levels of HDLs is never gonna be deemed as healthy. But then again, nothing in the assisted bodybuilding worlds of taking steroids is ever healthy. If we look at it in a bro way, which we always do, having more androgens in our system helps us get bigger than if we didn't have more androgens in the system and we just use the AIs or the, the serums. That's how I kind of look at it. Um, you know what I mean? So we've got the same scenario of which is the sort of lesser of the two evils. Um, and as we said, like one could argue that having more androgens in the system can, can give you that greater capacity of growth. And I guess that's the way I look at it. Um, because if I like, if I've not said this already and I'll say it now, I think in the assisted realm, like it is, we have a time limit on this. Like if you if you think otherwise, I'm really sorry, but you're a total fucking idiot, right? You can't do this forever and think that it's not going to negatively impact your health down the line, right? When you're 40, 50. 
etc. So then as you start to get a little bit older, now I'm only 32, right? But I start to get a little bit older, start to have kids and that, you start thinking like, right, how long can I realistically keep doing this and being selfish before it's actually going to shave those years off my life? Because if you do this for a long time and then you then you stop and you become a bit more sensible and you don't take, you know, maybe you go TRT and you take a bit of weight off, then, then you'll be fine. You should be okay. But if you continue to blast at this, like, let's look at all the fucking, all the bodybuilders that have been dying recently. But anyway, back to my point is that if I know I'm only going to do this for a finite time, I want to have the most fucking fun doing this as I possibly can, right? For me, I have more fun when I'm a bit stronger, have a bit greater capacity to grow, um, and just can get more jacked. And I'm sure as a bodybuilder, if you're listening to this and that's you, you're like, yeah, fucking like, I'm exactly the same. Um, so that's my thought process of, right, well, I'd favour using the Mastin Primo um, in my stack over the AI or the Serms. Um, to summarise, as I said, over the years, those assisted bodybuilders used to used to use them to control the estrogen. Now, now that methodology has changed the use of the DHT derivatives, the Master Primos, now to a point where, you know, in research and in practice on how how estrogen levels can be modulated by by the Master Primo, um, how much we can handle based on consistent blood work. Uh, but hopefully, this podcast has talked you through the mechanisms by which estrogen can be controlled by any of the ways and I hope that it's broken it down in a, in a way that's simple and you can understand if not please feel free to reach out my DMs are always open I understand that speaking about some of the steroid stuff like if you're someone that's really, really like clued up on physiology and chemistry or biochemistry or ever like yes I'm butchering it and yes I'm not doing it justice but remember the people that listen to this podcast are not the ones that have the amazing biochemistry knowledge or, or the physiology knowledge they just want to know a bit more in layman's terms of how this shit works and that's the whole aim of this podcast man so listen guys I hope that that does help as I said if you are at UKUP this Sunday or any shows that after I'm there please do come and say hi um, I'm always always love to hear like when someone comes over and say oh my god Vaughn um, I listen to your podcast and I was like oh fuck yeah and it's great to, to chat to you guys um, but if not guys I hope that you're well that wherever you are whatever you do give it the beans